Before we get into the conversation, I just want to chat about something that is not only super important to me, but also comes up time and time again in my conversations with Spaces and their founders. I'm talking about health and well-being, which I know means a lot of different things to different people. For me though, this is just all the little things that I do on a daily basis for my mind, body and soul, whether that's going for a run, taking 10 minutes to meditate or just catching up properly with friends and family. In fact, one of the reasons I actually started Curated Spaces was to really champion this idea that well-being comes from doing the things that bring us joy and spending time with our favourite people in the places that we love. I've been incredibly lucky to travel to some absolutely amazing places with the podcast and with this I've had to rethink some of my daily habits. I just wanted to share some of the things from Juicy Free's new mind, body, soul concept which has helped keep me sane when living out of a suitcase. Now first up for me is sleep. I need my eight hours and I'm addicted to anything lavender when it comes to winding down. My all-time favourite is the pillow spray from This Works which has lavender, chamomile and vetiver essential oils which help to restore normal sleep patterns. The clue is in the name but you just spray it on your pillow before you go to bed and boom a great night's sleep is guaranteed every time. I always stock up when I'm coming back from holidays and honestly don't travel without a bottle of the stuff now. Next up, diet. The first few weeks of Curator Spaces, I was living off coffee, sandwiches and free hotel biscuits. And honestly, I could tell when I was just not getting my protein fix. I actually discovered Form Nutrition Super Blend Protein when I was grabbing my pillow spray. It's a super high quality protein powder and actually has added greens so I can chase my five a day even when I'm on the move. And now skincare. I have been obsessively applying SPF 50 every day for the past 15 years and I have just started to add collagen to my routine with Vida Glow Natural Marine Collagen Sachets, which you actually put in your morning coffee. It's completely flavourless and is absolutely amazing for skin, hair and nails. I feel like autumn and winter really take their toll and my new morning collagen coffee ritual has been such a godsend to help keep everything clear, smooth and hydrated. Finally, it's that time of the year when everyone starts getting sore throats, which is not ideal when you're trying to host a podcast. My friend was raving about the Biocol Lab Sore Throat Relief Spray, so I picked some up at the airport recently and it's not only soothing, but also contains propolis, which provides immune defence as well. I picked some up at the airport recently and it's not only seriously soothing, but also contains propolis, which provides immune defence as well. Now, a simple life is a good life and you can actually find all of these products in Duty Free at Mind, Body, Soul. They've really leveled up their game recently and made it super easy to find the products that will help you stay calm and relaxed while on the move with their three pillars that promote physical and mental well-being. I should also mention that all of the brands featured in the Mind, Body, Soul Duty Free shop are carefully curated for their ethically sourced organic or natural products with environmentally friendly packaging wherever possible. My flight was actually delayed the last time I was travelling and I had the best time browsing through everything in store. I even treated myself to the Nuco Functional Fragrance which smells so good. It's like bergamot meets cardamom herby scent and was also developed following research into the connection between the cognitive and the olfactory system, aka your brain and scent systems. It's an incredibly calming scent and I've never been more chilled out by a late flight in my life. If I wasn't delayed, however, I would have been very grateful for the reserve and collect aspect of worldutyfree.com, which means I can pre-order up to 24 hours before I get to the airport and pick it up on my way to the gate. Anyway, I hope this was helpful and honestly, next time you're travelling, make sure to head to Mind, Body and Soul and stock up on all those wellness goodies to make sure you're feeling your best even when on the move. Now, let's get into the conversation. Welcome to Curated Spaces, the podcast that explores the stories behind the spaces reimagining how we stay, work and play. Join me, Molly Cooper, as I sit down with founders, owners and thought leaders to hear about their journey of bringing a space to life. Great spaces shape our lives. They inspire, nurture and connect us. 
but most importantly, they bring us together to share life's milestones with the people who mean the most to us. So, whether you're a traveller, foodie or design seeker, join us as we celebrate the power of spaces and the brilliant people behind them. I'm on the Norfolk Suffolk border at Fritton Lake, a space to stay, no prizes for guessing, with a two mile long lake at its heart. From wild swimming to stand up paddleboard and even a floating sauna, everything is about enjoying and conserving this pioneering new garden project. And I'm delighted to welcome Hugh Crossley, the mastermind behind this incredible space, to the podcast. Hugh, welcome to Creative Spaces. How are you doing today? Thank you. Well, very well. It's lovely to have you here. Um, a bit- gloomy in the weather but uh, it is a little bit it might get so dark so early these days in the run-up to christmas well i hope it's not going to put you off um having a sauna and a cold water swim absolutely not if anything it's going to make it all the sweeter i'm sure and i can't wait to talk floating saunas with you but first i'd love to hear about you and your background and how everything's going here in norfolk yeah so i was very lucky to grow up here in summerleighton which is as you say right on Mm -hmm. the so on the southern end of the broads um with the north sea Two or three miles behind us, and uh, and uh, and right on the border of of Norfolk and Suffolk. So I'm I'm kind of uh, got a, definitely got a foot in both camps. Very diplomatic. Although um, Fretton Lake, which is you know most important part of the business in in a touristic sense, is in Norfolk. So mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, it was a idyllic childhood in the kind of back end of the seventies. Um, in fact, looking back, it seems impossible that you know we we lived the way we did compared to now. But it was very. We're very l- lucky. Mum and Dad sheltered us to a large extent from the world around us, and it was kind of very sort of swallows and Amazons mm. and um, famous Fivey, I guess. And then, and then, uh, and then, really after school, I suppose the, the sort of salient uh, parts of my life um, up until coming back here when my father was coming ill in uh, two thousand and five was mm. um, having had a very good ed- education. Having nearly joined the army, I actually ended up. I travelled a lot of the Middle East, and I, I ended up in in kind of hospitality. Not not I might add by design, but yeah. because really because I had a great love of the Middle East, and I kind of wanted to pull, uh, in a sense, the Edgware Road uh, into the popular mainstream. You know, having having tried to go go down there and, and sort of make myself into a modern day Lawrence yeah. of Arabia and smoke shisha, and it was. <laughs> You know, special for me, and um, yeah. So I had a, my first restaurant called Dish Dash, which is um, the flowing long shirt, uh, full length shirt, collarless shirt that an Arab man would wear. It's a Dish Dasher, so uh, but also fast food yeah. in its sense. And I always told my father it was kind of like my short service commission in the army because it was very <laughs> tough. Uh, we didn't get shot at, but it was <laughs> relentless work, and you know, very bonding. You know, we had a very tight team, and. Mm-hmm. Great experience, and I sold out of that really in in order to come home in yeah about two thousand five, and I'm lucky. We're lucky we own a pub here, and as we'll talk about later, Fritton Lake, which was already a a kind of day visitor Mm. attraction. So there was there was kind of leisure hospitality in the family business, which I kind of grabbed hold of, um, and that wasn't enough really. So in twenty ten, I think or. No, 2014, I, I opened a, a kind of artisan chip shop in Norwich, which was another um, 
another yeah well great event and actually really did deserve to to go further than it did but we we just took a short lease in a in a shop in Norwich and after that I had young kids and mm. and kind of different priorities so I've uh, been here ever since so yeah I love that kind of mix of things your name there um <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it's you know it's um it's been a great experience actually and I guess in the, in the, one of the biggest things actually was I suppose I mean I have, we're a big family I've got four sisters and but I was the only boy and I was pretty shy you know uh, 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 in most ways um certainly when it came to going to parties as a sort of young teenager I was painfully shy and really that was kind of the way it was until I started working in what was my first restaurant my, yeah. my own creation as in it came out of my head but I had no prior experience um to running it and of course suddenly I had to be able to go to talk to anyone yeah. and everyone at table at, ta- at table so it was very good for me um in that sense and yeah mm-hmm. happy it's memories an, yeah it's an amazing industry to be in for that sort of personal growth journey and yeah people Skills are so important within it. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch on that again when we talk about Fritton. But first, let's paint a little bit of a picture for people listening in around, as you said, we're here right on the border. So would you be able to tell us a little bit about this corner of the world? Um, yes, yeah, so I got into real trouble a long time ago on a, on a in an interview of talking <laughs> about living in the Bronx of East Anglia. And I, I, I mean, I, ha- I have to say that let's remember that the Bronx has become very cool in New York. Yeah, um, I, take that I, think, I think I was trying to refer that we were on that journey but we yeah. weren't there yet and you know Great Yarmouth is an, is an incredible uh, place with a, a very long and um, distinguished history but it but it's sort of mostly in the past mm. and it's struggled since mass tourism has moved yeah. abroad um, but basically we're it's a very rural um, and kind of sleepy corner of, of East Anglia it's very agricultural for the main for the main part um, uh, and you know, if you think about the great sweep, the bulge of East Anglia, you know, you've got the the sort of fetid North Norfolk coast, which runs in pure sand all the way down to mm. Great Yarmouth. Suffolk actually is is for the discerning beachgoer is a, is a bit pebbly. There are there are bits of sand, but it as a result of that, it doesn't attract so many people because it's a little bit harder, particularly with yeah. children. Um, but quieter and rather idyllic with its river. A lot, lot of mm. Suffolk's got a lovely lot of lovely estuaries for sailors. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're lucky to, um, to kind of call it home. Yeah. And I, driving here today, I came down from North Norfolk. It's, it's a big, big region. And I think you forget that in my head, it's the same time as Kent, but actually driving, it does go on, but beautiful. There's the bits of water that just come out and catch the light and it's also rolling and you can see for miles. It's really beautiful part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what, actually, so one of the great, um, defects, if you like, or, or, um, Maybe for some people it's a it's a it's a plus, but most counties have a, an area of outstanding beauty, and it might be very big, you know, national park scale mm-hmm. or mountainous if it's sort of in the like Wales. But um, the Norfolk Broads, which is sort of is that feature here for all of us, is is really very hard to see or imagine unless mm-hmm. you're on a boat on it. Yeah. So we talk about it, but you'd never really get to see it. I mean, occasionally you cross a river, but it's you know, and it's very wooded as well. The whole Broads landscape is is unseen until you're within it and even yeah. when you're within it it's quite hard to discern it as a piece of geography in a way that you kind of can mountains or yeah. national parks or you know places that are, are high high above you you can sort of physically see them so yeah but it's it's fun it's a lovely part of the world and talking of woods and bits of hidden water let's talk about Fritton Lake then so I know it's had a bit of an evolution in recent years and I'd love to hear a bit about 
well, it was originally, and then this journey over the past sort of five years. Yeah, well, I suppose, the first, I mean, to, just to set the scene, this whole, if you look at a Roman map of, of, this, of East Anglia, particularly this part, in fact, lots of other parts of Britain, but it was almost all underwater, the great fingers of water coming in. And and so Fritton Lake, as it now is, was in fact just an, an estuary from the inland, the great inland sea, which wrapped around us. So it's very um, uh, saleable. I mean, as in from a, you know, you could come in almost anywhere. And then gradually with sea level change, the, the, the broads were dug for peat, which came sort of later in the sort of, I'm talking about the eight, nine, ten hundreds. And then became little lakes that are all interconnected by rivers. Um, Fridden Lake is is exactly of that. So it's a, it's a sort of early modern peat dip, digging. It's a little bit for Suffolk, a little bit in a valley. And so it's the difference between the broads is it deeper. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite big for, for the average broad as well, although it's quite sinewy and long. Mm. Um, but uh, so it's kind of quite brackish, quite peaty, um, dark soft water lovely to swim in and um it was always really just farmed all, all around it albeit quite gently until the, the 70s when my father uh with uh, a very enterprising guy who was who he's working with at the time norman hudson decided to create a kind of day visitor attraction a kind of adventure playground really adventure then they called it Fridden lake country world i think but it was basically swings and slides and rowing and ice cream nothing very you know, technical, mm. but in those days when Yarmouth was, you know, still booming, um, and people weren't really able to go abroad on cheap flights, it was enormously busy. And, and, and in 1988 was the third biggest day visitor attraction in the country with like 126,000 wow. Davises, which is, you know, quite a, you know, so I've got always lovely, lovely books of cuttings. Um, one has to remember that although now we think we're on a new phase, dad, you know, had that phase, but it yeah. just was in a different incarnation. Um, and then much more recently, really, in, in fact, in 2004-05, we finally got consent for uh, and a small number of log cabins. And really that moment really was, I suppose, if you were to define the change, was when it began to shift from being a David's attraction, albeit that that carried on until 2016-17-18, to being a kind of resort, you know, mm. a holiday resort, a, a stay accommodation base. Um, and then finally, after a lot of faffing around and, and um, going around in circles, um, as it turned out, just into the teeth of the first lockdown, we decided to turn it into a club. So, you know, private members club. So for, for those people that own cabins there and for whoever in the area, holidaymakers, obviously, but also whoever in the area wanted to make that transition. Yeah, and that's actually, we were just talking about it, weren't we? How interesting is it? In London, you have so many clubs offering this community, this space to go. And outside London, they just definitely peter out and there's hardly any. There's obviously the Soho farmhouse, which is, you know, a different league of its own these days. Um, but what kind of inspired that decision? Well, I'm, I mean, I definitely would give a nod to Soho House in the sense I was lucky to be made a, or invited, became a member in just so, I mean, the late 90s, uh, because it coincided with when I had Dishdash. Ah. And a friend of mine was in the same building as um uh, so has his office and said, oh, you've got to come and join this club because you can go there after work, which is exactly what we did. So, yeah. And of course, one wasn't thinking about it as anything big then. Mm. And of course, so I'd seen it evolve and that definitely helped a lot. Um, but really the, the other part was the sort of the, the economic um, and ownership dimension. You know, once we got to sort of 60, 70 
cabins with owners. And once those people became, you know, the cabin industries changed from being kind of a caravan type industry to a really luxury product. So you've got, you know, a different type of person coming from Cambridge or East London. And so the tail that wagged the dog was really the people who owned the cabins. Yeah. And they really began to say from around 2016, probably 17, 18, but ever, ever louder, actually, we, we reckon this is for us now. Mm, yeah, stakes our claim. Yeah, so, and, and of course, they were quite right. This, yeah. They were, they're, they're the major part of the business now. Mm, so it was those two things, really. It was yeah. the inspiration from being a member and, and um, yeah, and it's been a great transition. Yeah, and how was navigating that transition? Because it came right at the same time as the da, 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 COVID. Um. Yeah, well, of course, like so many people, you know, we're all, we all will talk about it forever. But we we did actually plan to relaunch with, and we did it. We have got a beautiful new brand, May created to sort of demonstrate that breakaway. And um, in you know, it was St George's Day, twenty twenty, so it was in fact in lockdown in the end. So when we were allowed to open in the kind of high summer for the school holidays, basically was, you know, for everybody, a, a very forgiving climate because, frankly, a- anyone and everyone was just so happy to be alive <laughs> and be allowed to go somewhere. And out the house. You could have served them terrible food and no service with sort of dirty sheets and they'd probably still been really grateful. So in some ways it was it was easy. But, of course, from an economic model point of view, it, it just like nothing was making any sense yeah. because you were having furlough and, um, and long periods close right across. So when we... Now, so next year will be our sort of technically our fourth year, but in real terms, only our second full trading year. So in some ways, it's sort of how, I mean, I, I th- you know, it's a sort of blessing and it makes you feel like it's a sort of kinder, a kind of probably a more forgiving ramp up, you know, in terms of the way people are analysing you and, and how you do things, which is, you know, does is a bit forgiving. And in other ways, it's a bit disruptive to, you know, where you thought you might be from a pure income yeah. sense. So it's, mm-hmm. but yeah, we, we're definitely um, not looking back. No, definitely not. And then how was that sort of first initial, you already had your cabins, obviously, but getting maybe local people to come and become a member. Was there this, did they get the concept immediately or was this this sort of? Yeah, so I think that's right. We did sit around and, it, and okay, I said, I said it to you earlier, but it sounds patronising, but it, it really isn't meant to be. But we were very aware of the fact that this, Type of club is is lit, you know at that time anyway. I mean, as you say, they're the, the beginnings of um, uh, one or two around now. But so so farmhouse anyway was was really the the gold standard, and so there was no really evidence that people wanted this around mm-hmm. here, and um, and also you know so we were aware we had to kind of sort of try and bring people with us, and and what what what's really nice now is two two things actually really mark it out for me. What one is some of those people who. And almost admitted to to sort of hounding me on Facebook for for making this transition. So you, oh, my came there with my kids in the nineteen seventies, and how dare you, brother? Yeah. Have since joined and uh-huh. and have made, and come on the journey and say, look, I, you know, I, I gave you a really hard time, but actually, it's amazing. Oh. And and that's that's I think a real, you know, nice thing to to hear um, that change and people to vocalise it. And and the other one is again, which we touched on, is you know the the dream that was Lara's and mine is is kind of. You're incredibly lucky to have this extraordinary resource, natural resource that we're adding to um, as a template for any for any business. It's a pretty remarkable place. So, but at the same time, all those little dreams of things, whether it's the bird hide or the beach or the or the sauna, you know, they're all our little dreams that we drew on a piece of paper, really. And now they're actually made up. Their life is through the dreams of all those other people who become members. 
and listening to their interpretations, sometimes, you know, earwigging and other times when they talk directly mm. to us, you suddenly realise it's taken on this, you know, there's several clubs and within the, within the club and it's, it's no longer ours. It's, it, which is, by the way, what we wanted. It's, it mm. belongs to everybody. And in a weird way, it, in, a, in a different but similar way, it, it's not so different from how it was. It, Britain Lake never really belonged to us in that sense. Yes. It was taken over by hundreds of thousands of holidaymakers and now it's taken over by hundreds of thousands of, sorry, not hundreds of thousands, but thousands of, you know, members and cabin owners and, and holidaymakers. So, you know, it's an, it's a, it's an evolution rather than a revolution. Definitely. And I think that's the beauty of spaces where they're kind of fluid. You, you, like you say, you have your ideas, you put them out there and then seeing how people come and use them. I'd love to sort of understand what sort of people do come to the club or are your members now? Are they locals or a mixture of tourists? Yeah. So, I mean, it, obviously, just by dint of, of where where we are, we got you know we 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 don't market membership, local membership that hard, but you kind of Norwich is the obvious place, and the hinterland between me and Norwich, a little bit into Suffolk, you know, we kind of there's this, there's a little thing we do, mm. which is, and I mean, it's really broad. I mean, we've got quite a few. It's about as I say, it's farming region, so we've got quite a few guys who I know through farming who who come and join. Really, so during harvest, their wife and kids have got a great local place to go yeah. so because they don't see their husbands because they're on the tractor um and then you've got quite a few kind of hipsters and cool people from norwich who uh i always kind of worry when they turn up because they're all like much more fashionably dressed and i think <laughs> you know we're trying to we are investing and we want it to be we keep wanting to but it's not yeah. quite farmhouse mm. and i'm worried about their interpretation of you know our style really and then uh, there's a lot that are um you know very invested in the kind of not necessarily that they want to go on a safari, but they're very invested in the fact that this is a sanctuary for nature and mm. for them. So wild swimmers and people who want to run, swim, you know, do yoga. There's that, that's pretty strong. And then, and I suppose the other obvious core is is hospitality and food and drink. People just yeah. like the fact that it's in the end just another restaurant, but it but but it's a one that they can stay in and and bring friends to, which is sort of just not. You know, it's 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 special by definition that not anyone can come. I guess. Yeah. So it's quite broad, and you know, like a, a, any club, I guess they kind of. I think this is what we feel is it sort of self filters mm. because once whether it's that early morning swim that they want or whether it's somewhere quiet to work online, you know, you're away from home if they're working from home. They're all they're all drawn in by this identity of what has now become this club. So, um, yeah. So we're kind of happy with the way it's going and. But we, we we're we're always conscious that we we still have work to do mm -hmm. on um you know we would you know to keep that sort of interpretation and the, and the and the brand in my in people's minds as I know why I want to be at Fritton Lake because it's a bit of a department store club yeah. you know and the, the danger with a department store is you kind of forget where you're going yeah. it's not like a hi-fi store where you go yeah, to buy so hi-fi equipment so we need to keep that idea uh, going and you know. Okay, and then, okay, let's dig into that because I love this whole idea of department store, but actually what are the few things that to you really encapsulate what Britain is? Yeah, well, I, I've got, uh, when we started, uh, um, Lena, who I use for marketing, I sort of, I like to always simplify everything down to things that I really understand. I said, look, we've got food and hospitality mm -hmm. in the middle and then we've got a wrapper of sport and recreation and well-being yep. and then we've got a wrapper around that of kind of nature in a sort of soft interpretation, whether that's just paddleboarding and seeing otters or whether it's, more immersive and you know wanted to actually go foraging and um and i think it's true that that if you if you see that as a target as in red is the center and then and then orange and then green i think that is a fairly fair and accurate interpretation of 
of of the flow of people mm-hmm. you know and when you look at the look at our holiday flow you know we do hard sell or, or sorry soft sell but you know the rewilding and, and wild east and and all that and i think it is important to people if you actually ask them but it, that, that doesn't mean they want to invest in it directly mm-hmm. and come on a safari with me yeah which is great because i don't want to be doing it all day <laughs> most people end up like we all do float flake but if it's good weather flake by the pool while our kids do other stuff and and but i think so yeah so it's sort of but that's kind of how we market it and perceive it and 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 the things that hang off that are obviously deep dives into into food and drink and maybe going to vineyards and there's that that kind of food thing mm-hmm. and hospitality thing you can build on in the local area and at the club and um yeah i mean i'm quite i mean I've, i'm so not anymore as much as i would but i was it was definitely mattered a lot to me that there was a kind of healthy sporting and and quite rugged version of that as in you know if you want to come here you want to run not go mm-hmm. on a rowing machine yeah and if you want to swim you want to you know you know it's not i mean we do have a really good masseuse and we do have some really good treatments but we're kind of trying to differentiate ourselves and saying we you know we want this to be a more kind of rugged interpretation yeah. of, of of health and well-being yeah definitely. rather than a pampered one mm-hmm. not to criticize either we'll probably end up having to do both but <laughs> that was just that meant a lot to me because that's the thing i always search for whenever i go away can i what can i do what it's a beautiful place what can i go anywhere am i, am I trapped mm. on this well that's place. it yeah and I feel like often you go to places and it actually could be anywhere yeah it's in Greece but it could be Italy because it's very sort of in a resort you don't actually go out you can't go running along the coast so actually be able to come and get out in nature out in the local area and sort of yeah yeah I think that's I mean a huge I think it is a huge sell I mean I, I'm not saying I'm as my marketing people always tell me you you know you know we love you but you, you are not typical in the marketplace so <laughs> we're not going to use we're not going to use your uh but you know, if I go to Wales, you know, I know that wherever I stay, I can literally walk out and go for a run or go for mm. a hike. And I may not, but I know I can. Yeah. But it, that, as you say, if you go to Europe or lots of other people like us, um, once you've done the kind of footprint mm. you're, and you've gone around the building and you've found the gym yeah. and you've, you've kind of hemmed, hemmed in. Yeah. And that I that claustrophobia is, is for me, the biggest appeal or, or sorry, sorry, not having that claustrophobia yeah. is the biggest appeal. No, I get that 100%. And you just t- touched on it there, this Wild East, the whole rewilding project. I know it's such a huge part of what goes on here. Yeah, so so well, Wild East was me and two uh, great friends, but also farmers in, in you know, one in Suffolk and one in Norfolk, actually. And we, we're all quite invested. I, th- I suppose probably we are more naturally environmentally conscious than some of our peers, but that doesn't, you know, and, and, and but a bit more eco-anxious, probably. But... Um, Anyway, we, we we went on a trip to visit um, Paul Lister in Scotland, who you know has got a rewilding project up there, and he's quite a loud voice in that community. Anyway, he's engaging, and he's he's not for everyone, but he's, he's he was great fun for us. But on that journey, the, the, eight hours up and down, we kind of would. So it's sort of the big thing for us was look, we could carry on patting ourselves on the back, doing ecologically sensitive things on our farms, which are quite big, but in the great scheme of things, very small. But actually you know it's this is the problem with conservation it's it's about lots of very small places doing very specific conservation things and rewilding is is really allowing nature to obviously to take the lead so we recognize that as well as needing a lot of land what you actually need is a lot of engagement with people but as we say sort of window box backyard schoolyard churchyard farmyard i mean we need it needs to be a mass movement and that was really missing and so that was kind of what tipped us over the edge that and being inspired by not just Paul but you know the big things like um the Tompkins uh 
uh, conservation in Chile. How do you bring the magic and the, I mean, the beauty of those sort of places and, and the Carpathia into flat, very heavily agricultural and populated East Anglia, where we don't have bears, wolves, and snow-capped mountains? And, and actually, the answer is with a, with a lot of difficulty. Yes. <laughs> um, but that was sort of the, yeah. So we've got the something called the Map of Dreams, and people pledge, you know, and what 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 again? Of course, the real inspirational piece there is our dream was to ignite other people's dreams and so it's kind of a bit of a Facebook of other people feeling empowered because they see and can reach out to other people in their neighborhood who are doing something they're not alone yeah. and that, that I suppose is sounds a bit sentimental but that that's kind of that goes to the heart of it and it's been amazing that what it really did do is catch the public mood we were again lucky it was a 2020 thing it has tailed off people are back you know in the flow mm -hmm. of life and yeah. you know um, it's more challenging to get funding, more challenging to, but what we have found is that the, what we call the clean energy coast, but all the, the you know, the wind, uh, um, uh, energy around here, we're, we're pulling them all into a kind of something called wilder by the sum of our parts, which is trying to together rather than separately talk about the positive stuff that's going on. And to part of that is media that what, the, what no one gets is that yes, plant a tree, but talk about it. I mean, yeah. it, and the more media engagement, the more engagement, the more people start to think, actually, you know what, maybe I could do something or maybe I could do something different. Mm -hmm. um, and it can, and just because I've only got a window box or a, a small crap of land, it doesn't mean that it's, in fact, it's more important that millions of people do that yeah. than one big landowner that does make it. It's, it's because you're capturing, you know, many more minds. Yeah, that That's connective where, energy. Yeah, so it's, it's been great. I mean, it, it's funny because charities, as I've now discovered, are kind of course like, like, businesses but they're much much more competitive and cutthroat really? if you open a if you when we open our first restaurant in london everyone can oh look if we can help you out if you run out of something you know i hope you get on really well and it it was really interesting for me because i was obviously a bit holding on tight to dish dash and didn't want anyone to see our menu and you know was worrying about people copying and all that silly stuff and then you get into the but in in, in charity it's interesting how and that's but yeah people are very it's very personal for other people and they're giving up their time and they're damned if anyone's going to yeah. take anything away from them and it and of course in in our particular world which is obviously nature and climate, climate crisis and in public engagement we've been very um you know forthright about you know in s in s you sign up to this wilder by the summer parts piece where we're together putting some money towards messaging but also towards collaborative projects then we're, we're just not interested because it, it has failed before because of that lack of yeah. Um, join up engagement. Too few people in too few few places is is kind of the way, and it needs to be everyone in in, in all places, and mm -hmm. that means collaboration. Exactly. Um, but we're the minnows, so we're the new charity on the block, kind of you know, and the the challenger brand, and you know, not you know, it's been an interesting journey to try and uh, keep keep evolving, so that but if you get kind of copied to a degree, that you can keep. Out imagining people but it's yeah. good it's good it's good fun for us and it's very nice for me to have something that's takes you into something totally different and to and a bit like you're doing this it takes you into the lives of a whole range of people i'd never have any contact yeah with. which is amazing isn't it yeah it really is yeah and you're so right because actually i mean i live in a very small flat in london but actually just having knowing there's that bigger network or that bigger energy that bigger thing to be part of and just do your little bit it, it's, it can be so powerful and you just need someone to sort of spearhead that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been really good for us all, actually. Yeah, 
Amazing. Well, I'd love to know, looking ahead then, what's next for Frisch and Lake? Do you have anything in the roadworks? Or? Um, well, we have really, yeah. So, I mean, I'm afraid it won't look great when you see it tomorrow, but that we, we started on the foundations of a new building. I mean, it's one it's big, there's lots of little things, but there's a big piece of infrastructure that we need to deliver in the next sort of 12 to 18 months, which is, you've got consent for a lovely, a sort of pavilion really of between the pool and the tennis courts, which sort of, it will basically be our all day trading hub lovely. and take the that away from the clubhouse you're staying in, which can be more for ambient activity, like, you know, working on a laptop and meeting friends. Um, and so it'd be, you know, also from a point of view of us, it's a, be built to trade in, whereas yeah. the old farmhouse, wonderful that is, is a collection of very small rooms. It's quite, yeah. if it's busy, it becomes dysfunctional to a degree. Uh, and I, you know, I'm very conscious that it will help, well, it will, it will drive, um, help drive membership, help drive selling cabins. It's sort of, we were really conscious in October half term this year, if you remember, was two weeks of solid rain and we were really busy and it, it you know, the, the, it really, really showed and I appreciate it's only that two weeks that the clubhouse is, is not enough to, mm -hmm. to really deliver in, in the event of a bad weather. So I'm really, really excited about that. And it's, you know, it is a bit kind of, um, uh, not, uh, not, uh, not specifically so house, but you know, big open plan, mm -hmm. comfortable sofas and fires and, but but connecting also the pool, which is also very gravitational. Everyone, you know, whether it's just your kids or people, even in winter, it's very popular. So, so that's a big thing. Um, I mean, and and I suppose I'm I'm kind of excited about getting to a thousand members. I I, I mean, it, it we're kind of like sixty percent is there, not quite sixty percent is there, and it's quite slow. You know, it's sort of as in we do we don't we see it as something that you don't market hard membership mm -hmm. it's sort of by word of mouth and yeah. by because otherwise probably it's the wrong thing but you know it, it, it that feels like a target in the next few years that we're really keen on and and uh and actually we've still got um you know 28 uh, plots cabin plots so it's it's not it's you know a few years away from being a mature business in in a sense mm -hmm. of what we've already uh planned um and I, th I suppose the other thing that we're really doubling down on is this idea of I love creating brands and and the stories behind them, but I'm I'm also aware that you know one can hold on too tightly to what that might mean, and we're we're working over the winter actually to try and well sort of redefine, deep define, but also redefine and make stronger that kind of the tone of voice around the brand because it it um you know because we aren't so house and and we're not you know we're we're very conscious when we look at our owner profile and the type of people. I really, I always want to put wild and free on a website and I always get told like, I can't because it's not free. Um, and, but, but, you know, I think it encapsulates yeah. that we, 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 we get a sense that people really like the fact that to a large extent, you know, we, it's sort of, um, their space to kind of, you know, get, um, and, but that needs definition. I think the point is it's a bit like liberalism. If you get it, if it comes too loose, then it, then it falls apart. And so yeah. we, so we're excited about that. Um, and then I suppose the only other thing really is we we is sort of more related to some Leighton Brown, which we're kind of at least exploring how, if and how, and whether it makes sense to kind of begin to in some way incorporate the hall with Britain, in, mm. you know, because actually you know, they're both kind of, one's offering a slightly smarter version of the other thing, yeah. but just because, you know, we're, you know, we want to keep drawing people out here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so... 
that that and I guess my kids are at the sort of age now where it's quite exciting to have them around and go yeah. and on adventures, which you know we they've all been quite small. Yeah. So we just so I think there's there's quite a, a bit of refocus for for us on on them as well. Exciting times ahead, a lot going on. It feels such a pleasure chatting. I do have a closing tradition um, on this podcast. So I'm going to ask you three questions okay. and you let me know what space comes to mind for you. It can be somewhere you've been, somewhere in the world. <laughs> Imagine you've cashed the winning lottery check, so money's of no object. Okay. Okay. The first one is, where are you running away to, to disconnect and to detox? Um, I mean, kind of any mountains, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, of, in good weather, I'm a big sucker for Wales. I'm, I'm, my mother's from, from Wales, so I think I'd have to say somewhere you know, not necessarily Brecon, but in that part of South Wales is, is kind of, I've had a lot of happy times there. Very, very challenging in bad weather, but a real delight when it's nice. Yeah. Oh, it's stunning. I stand there the other, the other week and it's gorgeous. Um, very good answer. I love that. Stay K, represent the UK. Um, next one, your ultimate birthday party. Where are you hosting it? Oh, well, we had a pretty, pretty wild one uh, last year here, a joint sort of 50 and 40 all rolled over, but I think if I was going to do another one, you're right, I'd have it smaller and host it somewhere else. And I mean, yeah, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think it would probably be, probably be ski tour based, but with a kind of ending somewhere where you can crank it up a bit. I love that. No one said a ski tour I don't want to take it too seriously, but I think I'd get a small group to ski tour to meet a bigger group somewhere kind of fun, uh, you know, where there's a bit of life in, in, in in the Alps probably. I think that's kind of probably what I do. Brilliant answer. That might be my favourite yet, actually. <laughs> Great one. And finally, your once in a lifetime bucket list trip. Where are you heading and are you staying anywhere special? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I can't really give you a place to stay, but I mean, I, I, I was a big fan of um, A Short Walk in Hindu Kush, which is Eric Newby's seminal kind of book. Um, and also... Um, so Wolfie Thessinger and his travels around that kind of same area. But although it is quite unsafe and unsettled, I mean, northern Pakistan, that kind of areas, they both described as, is everyone has somewhere where they think is the most beautiful place in the world, but, yeah. but truly the most beautiful place in the world. So I think there, um, I'm afraid what I don't have is, you know, a, a, walk, a walk like for a month or even longer, sort of through there. I mean, parts of Iran too, but but I think I'd have to be staying probably on the ground yeah. to make <laughs> that happen. Tent, yeah. tent. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to do it by horseback to a degree. I love riding, but that whenever I, uh, if I in five o'clock in the morning when I'm thinking about exactly those sort of things, the thing that worries me, I could I could die not having gone to South America and not having, um, no disrespect, but I would be very upset if I hadn't been able to go there. Mm, well, I think that's a very solid answer. Three quite active answers, I'd say: hiking, Wales, horseback yeah. riding. Skiing. Yeah. Well, when my kids were very small, my obviously wife. We're both tired from young kids. Whenever mm. we went anywhere, we could grab that. We we went on a kind of more of a flying flop. And not that we weren't necessarily active, but it was kind of just sleep for a week. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, after sort of 10 years of that, I've kind of re-engaged with wanting to, yeah. you know. The adventures again. Yeah, the adventures. Oh, well, I hope you get your adventures. It's been such a pleasure chatting. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And thanks for coming to, to the Wild East. Thank you very much. I'm going to go and find that sauna now. <laughs> Go 
gosh, what a lovely chat with you. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did and can confirm I hit up the sauna after this and it was just divine. Get yourself out to Norfolk, visit Fritton Lake, you will not be disappointed. And now we have just a handful of episodes left in 2023 before we hit January. And with that, the first ever Curator Spaces mini season, the London edition, with top spots around the capital, which I cannot wait to share with you. Now I'll see you next time for more Curator Spaces.